It may be the weekend, but there are no days off for the Zone Sports Network. You're listening to the Saturday Show with Adrian Lizer and Jake Hatch. Can't wait! Can't 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 wait! It's all weekend, baby. On 97.5, 1280, the Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show. Final hour on this Saturday afternoon up and down the Wasatch Front. Weather outside is great. Thanks again for joining us. I'm Jake. He's Adrian. Eric behind the glass. I'm going to let you hear from Chad Lewis, former BYU and Philadelphia Eagles tight end and a former All-Pro tight end in the NFL. He's had He had quite the football career. If anybody doesn't really know about Chad Lewis, he walked on at BYU, became an all-whack player, uh, all-American caliber player in the mid-19, the late 1990s at BYU, and then was an undrafted free agent with the St. Louis Rams, spent some time there, went to go join Andy Reid with the Philadelphia Eagles and became an all-pro player at tight end. Yeah. Cool story. Guy who has earned everything he's been given. He's now an athletic administrator down there at BYU. Well, he joined uh, David James and Patrick Kinahan earlier this week. I uh, played on the last the team, the last team that uh, Andy Reid took to the Super Bowl. So we wanted to get his thoughts on a guy like Andy Reid, what uh, he means to him, and also just get his thoughts on the game as a whole. So here you go, Andy Reid with DJ and PK earlier this week, right here on the Zone. DJ PK, it's time to talk Super Bowl with the former Cougar, the former Philadelphia Eagle, Chad Lewis. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Chad, good morning. Yo, what's up? How's it going this morning? It is going well. I'm curious if you're, uh, you know, when you get to this point every year, do the NFL playoff memories with the Eagles come flooding back? Or is it different this year because Andy Reid's right in the middle of it going to the Super Bowl and maybe this year's a little different than most years and you really got the memories to, uh, to uh, wade through? It's always exciting. I always follow, but this year is a lot more special. Um, the fact that Andy's back in the Super Bowl and, Danny's there, and half of Andy's staff are my old coaches, and it's just uh, really exciting. Then Fred on the other side, so it's uh, <laughs> this is really cool. Great Super Bowl, couple weeks here. Yeah, we had you. I remember a couple of years back when the Eagles were there, and obviously that was your team, your primary team anyway. And you were way excited, and if I remember correctly, you went back there and and were immersed in all that. How does this compare to that? This. Well, the Eagles, that was something special because it was the Eagles' first Super Bowl victory. It was against the team that beat us in the Super Bowl, the Patriots. And even with Tom Brady having the ball in his hands at the end of the game, they still they found a way to win it. The Philly special, um, Doug Peterson, my former quarterback and good friend, is the head coach, Hugh Staley, former teammate. Um, I was back there for that one, and that was that was incredible. This is... This is similar because, you know, my my love for Andy Reid, the respect that I have for him, the really the gift that he's been in my life as a coach for seven years, as a mentor for all these years, as a friend, someone I can talk to at any time. He's for for help, for advice. It's I'm just so pumped for him and I want him to win it. 
So what has he got that he's gotten so many teams to conference finals now for the second time to the uh, Super Bowl? What What is it? Well, every Fortune 500, every team, every organization is trying to build a winning culture. It's difficult. How do you do that? Um, every team is trying to build team chemistry in a way that you can be successful both on the field and off the field. And he's got this Lavelle-like, Holmgren-like ability to change organizations. He did it with the Eagles. He's done it now with the Chiefs. And if you recall, both those organizations were in quite a bit of chaos before he got there. And he's got this leveling influence. He's got this balance and perspective about him. He... He's really a normal, real guy. There's nothing about him that's phony. Um, he doesn't have fake motivation. He's not like a like an energy drink dude. However, I've never seen anyone work hours like him. I mean, I, I think John Gruden would be the only one that would compare. And so he puts in the time, but it's not just the time. He puts in the love, like, he genuinely loves his players. He gathers people around him that he wants to be with and that he believes in. And the same thing with his staff. Like, he enjoys being around his staff. He loves those guys. He never toots his own horn. You'll notice after every loss, what does he say at the podium? He says, hey, this one's on me. I didn't have my guys ready. That's uh, Just blame me. And if, after every win, he says, man, my guys did such a great job. Give them all the credit. And he's humble in victory. He's gracious in defeat. He's got this entire package together. That's why the football world right now is talking so much about him and, and people really respect him. So people who know, and you being one of them, say he is a Lavelle Edwards clone and you've already brought up Coach Edwards' name. Uh, how did that come to be? Do you know? I think one way it came to be, the first way is he came here and played for Lavelle. Andy wanted to be a doctor out of BYU, and Lavelle talked to him and said, Andy, I think you'd be a great coach. And when, An and when Lavelle would say stuff like that to you, it was, he had an inspiring effect because you knew he wasn't just throwing words or blowing smoke. He was, he was a genuine guy too. And so that was his first experience with Lavelle. And then he became a GA here at BYU for a year, so he actually learned and tutored from Lavelle. And then he went to San Francisco State and started his own coaching life. And with that came constant communication with Lavelle. And all through his coaching career, he would talk to Lavelle every week. They'd talk on the phone. Lavelle would write him notes. Um, so even up until Lavelle passed away, they talked every week. And so that love, that tutoring, that mentorship – that was cool. My first Super Bowl, we, I just t tore my Liz Frank in the NFC Championship game. So I'm at the Super Bowl, but I have two screws in my foot. I'm not playing. And the night we check in to Jacksonville, Lavelle and Patty are Andy's guests for the week at the Super Bowl. And so as our team gets into the hotel, we go to the first dinner and so sitting at the table, it's my wife, Michelle, and I. 
Andy and Tammy, Rod Dauhauer, our old offensive coordinator and his wife, and Patty and Lavelle. And that was like one of the coolest dinners. I wanted to just open my mind and my eyes and record that every conversation and just watch Lavelle and Andy just talk and reminisce and smile. And I wish every football fan could have been at that table with me because it was, it was really cool. So as you watch Andy progress, how does he connect with so many people? How do you, how do you get the trust? Cause you've, You've done a lot of interviews with us on radio. You've done stuff on TV and all that. You always talk about how, you know, a locker room, it's just got all these personalities from all these backgrounds. How do you have the the time and the energy to dial into so many of them? Because when you read the stories about Andy, so many people have that tie to him. It's communication, but it's not just communication. It's honest communication. So when he talks to the media, he's he's straight up. He's not not trying to hide anything. He's not trying to act better than he is. He's not trying to overpromote his program. He's just straight up. When he talks with players, it's the same way. He just he gives it to you raw and real. He lets you know what you need to improve. He lets you know what he fully expects. And then, like a dad or like someone you revere, he's able to speak to you in a way that helps inspire you to get there. This is what I expect, and then he follows it up with his own encouraging words and his own self-deprecating laugh to where, come hell or high water, you're going to do it, and you're going to do it for him. And you know he believes in you. And then when I say communication, I mean currently he's on his phone. Like he's texting his guys 50 times a night. When he told me that a couple years ago, it just really caught me by surprise because – He's always on. But the thing about him is it doesn't wear him out. He's the type of person that because he loves people, that communication gives him energy and it drives him forward instead of wearing him out. Um, And I think the guys on the team appreciate that their coach is so touchable. If they have an issue, they can talk to him. He's, He's very responsive. And so they know that he, he actually does care about them. Um, and, and through the years, the times that there's been many times when I've needed him and just a text or a phone call and he's, he's very available to talk through things. And that just, that's what's so endearing about him as a person, as a friend, as a coach, as a leader. So, I mean, you should ask Clark Hunt, the owner of the Chiefs, what do you think? And he'd say, are you kidding me? I've been doing this for a long time. Andy's the best. That's what he'd say. So, Chad, we know, although it wasn't necessarily talked about a lot, Andy Reid has had some uh, serious personal tragedy in his life with his children. And I know with me, uh, and I have had some situations, and I just wallow in self-pity. He just, in his, at least from the public perspective, kept right on going uh, how difficult was that, if you know and you want to share, was it for him, was he able to keep going after having to endure such extreme difficulty? It was hard for him because it was so public. You know, he he would have much rather dealt with those challenging issues in private and to have it all laid out in the papers and radios was 
was really difficult for him. And even though he had a tough face, it was, he's a sensitive guy too. And it hurt and it was hard. And, and what drove him was his love for his family, starting with Tammy and then all of his kids. And, and what was cool was in the middle of that chaos, he talked to Jeffrey Lurie, the owner of the Eagles. And he said, I need my, my kids need my full attention right now. So I think for 39, 40 days, he left, took a leave of absence from the Eagles as the head coach with his staff full approval and said, Andy, take care of business. And he spent time, every ounce of his time, every, <laughs> just all the love he had on Garrett and letting him know, I am with you. We're going through this together. You are not alone. And that was touching for all of us that were around him. And, you know, what's when I wrote my book, Surround Yourself with Greatness, I called Andy and we had a, we had a conversation that I, it was because of my book, because of our experience and friendship, I asked him questions that I would not normally have asked. There were sensitive questions like, Andy, do you feel like, the amount of time that you spent at work is one of the reasons why, you know, Garrett had some issues and problems. And he's, you know, he was just so authentic by saying, yeah, I've thought about that a lot, you know, and I wondered, man, was it my fault that I was at work so much and being a head coach and driving? And he said, coming back to your book, the title of your book, Surround Yourself with Greatness, he said, I just, I, I tell you what, I saw the influence that certain friends had on my, my boys. And yes, I was working, but he always carved out time to be with them, go home, have breakfast with them, and have them there on the sidelines and during the week. But he said it was, it was some people that they started hanging around that he saw a sharp, rapid, immediate decline. And so then he spoke to the message of the book that it is so important for us to be around good people and just to have that real conversation with him to understand that he felt that pain. But at the same time, it was his love that drove everything that made me appreciate him and, and feel a lot more empathy for what he was going through. You know, because as you say, so much of this was so public, a lot of us, uh, you know, and I, I've never met Andy, I've never talked to him on the phone or anything, uh, but I know so many people like you who speak so highly of him, so I've always been curious when I have a chance to read something. There's been a lot to read because a lot of this has been out there publicly. And in the lead-up to the game, you find out how many people want him to have the Super Bowl. Not that he needs it. He's won so many games and touched so many lives. That's the important thing. But still, it's competition. The game's right in front of you. So win it and hoist the trophy. And they want it for him. They want it for him. And they want it for him really bad. And I've read those quotes from a lot of people. And I'm curious if you think, do they have the team to make it happen? Are the Niners going to be able to run the ball and play keep away and keep Mahomes on the sideline and win the game? Here's what I would say first. When you meet him, he's going to be authentic. He's going to treat you with class and respect. He's not going to, he's not going to act like anything he's not. And you're going to come away going, wow, <laughs> he was, what a cool guy. So that, that's going to be your impression. And if it's different than that, I'm buying you dinner anywhere you want. Name the place. Okay. 
Number two, can they do it? Do they have the horses to do it? They certainly do. They've got the speed everywhere, but so does the 49ers. So this is going to be a classic Super Bowl. It's any of these teams can strike fast, strike hard, and go the distance at any time. So no lead is safe in this game. Um, I think it will be high scoring, even with, you know, you got the best defense in football. I think the ability for the Chiefs to overcome some some large deficits in the playoffs, you know, 24 to zero, that was unprecedented. No one had ever done that before. And for Mahomes to just kind of laugh and be like, hey, let's go. Let's start making the plays, you know. And so they, they have speed at every position. So do the 49ers. And that's one of the reasons why all of us are so excited for this game, just to see these two teams go at it. So on a personal note, Chad, one of your daughters married into a family, has a father-in-law who's a real good friend of mine. I'm not sure why she did that. They're a real screwed-up family, but we won't get into that. Uh, <laughs> I know I've known them for 30 years, and I'm real tight with them, as you know. Uh, and then, speaking of father-in-laws, you are the father-in-law of Matt Bushman, but you're also a BYU guy. So the Cougars really needed Matt Bushman to come back because he's an excellent player and can very well argue easily that he's their best returning receiver at tight end. So how did you balance that role of being an NFL guy with all these years of experience, literally playing the same position that you played, to tell Matt as far as guide him what to do in terms of returning, knowing that, man, he can really help the team that I want to see win? <laughs> that's, that's a great question. Um, two answers. Number one, with everything that happened with Kobe Bryant this week and how cool he was expressing his love for his girls, I would say that I'm also a father of girls. I have two, two girls who I love so much. And this, this week has, has helped me reflect on the gift it is to be a dad more. And so, yeah, those two girls, I would like to have been a better dad, but I, I want them to know that I love them like crazy. And then Matt Bushman, you know, he's he's a he's a gifted player. He's a hard worker. He's a humble guy. He doesn't talk smack to anyone. He just puts his nose down and goes to work. And then he has gifts that you can't teach. He has the ability, like Cody Hoffman, to catch the ball in traffic. He has speed like great tight ends. Like I see Kelsey and Kittle. I mean, these guys have really nice speed and He's got that speed, so he's got he's got a great package to make plays. And as it comes to the NFL, we talked a lot about the pros and cons. What's what's good about going pro right now? What's good about? And I I did not want to make the decision for him. We just talked about everything he wanted to talk about, and I think at the end of the day, he felt like I've got unfinished business here at BYU. There's there's a lot I want to do, a lot I want to prove, and a lot I want to improve. And so he made the decision to come back, and he's he's 100% on that. There's no there's no wishing, there's no regretting. He's he's pumped to be here, and I can't wait to see what he does for his senior year. Still got your golf tournament going, Chad? Yep, this will be number 14 golf tournament to raise funds to fight and eradicate cystic fibrosis, and we've done it. 
up at Promontory for the last several years and put a great group together. It's, it's always this, the first week in June. And now that I know so many friends that have cystic fibrosis, it's, I'm just very grateful to be a part of it. And one day we'll have a golf tournament to celebrate the fact that there ain't no more cystic fibrosis. That's my, that's my vision. All right. Well, if your younger daughter wants to know how to handle that Pollard family, just have her give me a call because I can put them in line <laughs> like that. Right? That's so great. <laughs> oh, I love them. I'm, Chad is such a great son-in-law. I'm just, I could not be more thrilled. Oh, well, the children them. are fine. It's the parents, I think, that are. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Turn the knife. Maintenance. Turn the knife, PK. <laughs> Turn They're the so knife. Great. Yeah, we love them. So grateful. The kids are great. The parents are high maintenance. They are. <laughs> That's words to live by right there. All right. Well, they can't defend themselves, so maybe we should end this before PK, uh, you know, gets another oh, I'll get shot a text in. here any minute. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The interview, it's slipping away. It's slipping. <laughs> it is. All right, Chad, thanks for joining us. Thanks for giving us a few minutes, and we'll talk to you again. You're welcome. Thanks, guys. Great stuff there out of Chad Lewis, former BYU football player and Philadelphia Eagle, as uh, the team he was on got to the Super Bowl yeah. under Andy Reid. Yeah, and you can kind of tell that just how much Andy Reid meets the guys who play for him. Yeah. You heard Chad talk about it. He's able to take guys from any background, any race, any whatever, regardless of who you are, Andy Reid can connect with anybody. Yeah. And that's what sets him apart. Yeah, and you know, uh, not that it's even close to the same thing, but – you know, as a coach, I just hope I make a positive impact on every player that walks through the door yeah. into my gym when I coach, and I hope it's a lasting impact. I don't know if it is or not, mm-hmm. but I hope it is, and I hope uh, I think that's what any coach wants. Other than winning the ultimate goal of winning a championship, uh, it's that you want to have an impact on people Correct. and hear guys like Chad say stuff about Andy Reid, and he is one of many, 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 many players that say the same things. Yeah, the the one thing, I know I'm a big 49ers fan, but if Andy Reid were to win his first Super Bowl tomorrow, I don't think there I'd take it a lot easier if it was a guy like that because he seems like just the type of guy that should be rewarded with yeah. at least one win in the big game. Yeah, for sure. And he's been to so many that correct. Well, maybe, he's only he's only been to two Super Bowls. He did multiple NFC championship, AFC right, championship. Two Super Bowls is so many. It is. It's That's a, a it's lot a of appearances with There's, two different teams. Right. So, yeah. um, he you know, and they had some great teams that Eagles team. So. They did, and. We'll see what happens tomorrow. It should be a fun day all the way around, and I'm looking forward to seeing this game. I think it's going to be a lot yeah, of fun. Yeah, and it's cool that it's a couple of new new blood teams, and I think they're two. Uh, you can argue that they're the two most deserving teams to be there. I would agree with that. So, yeah. All right, uh, coming up on the other side, we'll get uh, we'll preview this Jazz game tonight as they are on the road against the Portland Trail Blazers. What can the Jazz do to slow down the monstrous guard play of Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum, and uh, how? How can the Jazz get back onto their winning ways? We'll get Jake's opinion on that. That's all coming up next here on the Saturday Show. Whether you're stuck at the mall, in the yard, or making a quick trip to the home improvement store, we've got your back. It's going to be May. This is the Saturday Show with Adrian Lizer and Jake Hatch on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Jake Hatch, you can follow him at Jacob C. Hatch. You can follow Eric behind the glass at Eric18Utah. You can follow me on Twitter at A.P. Leiser. L-E-I-S-E-R, spelled like Budweiser. 
I like it. That's a good, good way to describe it. Yes, because everyone knows how to spell Budweiser. Mm, I think they'd have some idea at right. least. I don't know. I don't know if they do or not. But <laughs> um, but anyway, welcome back to the show. If you like it, please download and podcast our episodes. If you don't, thanks for listening anyway. And uh, if you really don't, just email Catch and he'll send it on to the right people. Won't Sounds you, good. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, no problem. No, you won't. But anyway, also follow Jake at uh, his uh, Lockdown Cougars podcast, Daily BYU Sports News out of Jake. Uh, make sure you subscribe to that as well. You can find it at the Zone Sports Network website. Pretty easy to find, 12 it is zone.com. Um, something I can pass along in that regard. Okay. So Devontae Henry Cole, before we get to the Jazz here, obviously oh, announced yeah. earlier this week that he's entered the – well, it was reported that he entered the NCAA transfer portal. I can confirm he is in the portal. Uh, he does have some interest in – Portal. Yeah, the, <laughs> the NCAA transfer portal. He does have some interest in potentially going to BYU, it sounds like. Mm. He put out a cryptic tweet last night that had um, the emojis of blue and white, like and it caused a big fur with BYU fans oh, and also Utah State fans because they're blue and white right. as well. But it sounds like there is some interest between him and BYU, and he's expected to at least visit BYU and check out the program, et cetera, in the near there future. Has been a, though, there has been recent players have gone from Utah to Utah State. So. Also true, and Utah State's very much in the mix for him as and well. And those players made big contributions to that Aggies team yep. last year. So, uh, you know, I like Devontae. He's been fun to cover mm-hmm. at Utah. Um, I understand his reasoning between yeah. wanting to transfer and um, that's a loaded running back core straight up at Utah, even with Zach Moss leaving. Yeah, that's the position that uh, I have the least amount of worry with going yeah. into well, next season. Yeah, Devin Bromfield, Jordan Wilmore. There's just so much talent yeah. there. So you're right. I, it's one of those position groups. Where like, yeah, they'll be. They can absorb a loss. Yeah. So uh, hopefully he lands in his, the best spot for him uh-huh. and uh, has a successful last couple of years in college. So. Yep. Um, Jake, the Jazz tonight in action. They take on the Portland Trail Blazers. Uh, you can catch the coverage here on the Zone Sports Network starting at 7.30 with Jake Hatch and Tim Lacombe. Jake uh, Scott. I'm or, not doing it tonight. Oh, Jake, I thought you were doing so much radio today that you'd want to do that as well. I will be covering the BYU this is hour St. Hour six. Mary's you're game. almost done. Hour six here. Of I'm radio. done on the radio. I'm not done with my work day. Uh, but Jake sure. Scott, sorry, and uh, Tim Lacombe. Tim doing his third straight game with us, so Sweet. it should be pretty fun. And, uh, the Jazz on three straight losses. Interesting how that works out. Um, but uh, uh, they they take on Portland, who's coming off a back-to-back. They played last night in Los Angeles against the Lakers, the mm-hmm. uh, Kobe tribute night. And uh, they're 22-27 and 27 on the year, Jake. And this Blazers team, I don't know if I expected them to be this far under 500. I didn't know to uh, what to expect about, you know, without Nurkic. Yeah. That's a huge loss for them. Then Zach Collins goes down. It's been kind of one of those years. Carmelo Anthony um, has been out of the lineup the last few games because of you know he has been so grief stricken with the Kobe news because they were so mm-hmm. close. He said he's not ready to come back, and frankly, he should take as much time as he needs. Yeah, absolutely. To get himself him back regard. into yeah. a mental state to be able to compete on a basketball court. But they're creeping in on that eighth spot. Um, the conversation was after the Pelicans got Zion back, they would be the eighth seed, but. Watch out for Portland. Watch out for San Antonio. But Portland, this is team, they're going to get Nurkic back this year, eventually. And they're going to get Zach Collins back. And all of a sudden, they're going to be a team to be reckoned with. And uh, they were impressive last night. Damian Lillard has been incredible in the last couple weeks. Yeah, he's been lights out. He's averaging on the season 29.4 points per game. That's just insane. In the last five games, he's averaging 40 points a game. 44 or something like that. Yeah. Something wild. It's up there. So, 
it, it is a dangerous opponent for the Jazz to be going in to face the Trailblazers. The nice part is the Jazz had the day off yesterday, flew into Portland, and were waiting for the Blazers to come back into town after that back-to-back that they have. So it's an opportunity for the Jazz here. Uh, the funny thing is, is Portland in the next six games in the run up to the All-Star break for the Jazz, Portland by record, is the worst opponent on the Jazz schedule here in the next six games. So, Which is... I know. it's Like, don't fall for that, because yeah. I think they're better than they 22 better than and 27. Right. You're right. They are. They're cre- Like you said, they're creeping up on that eighth spot in the Western Conference. It wouldn't surprise me at some point if they were to overtake the Grizzlies and take that spot and make it theirs. I think this is a talented team. They're playing at a very high level right now, yeah. very confident. Damian Lillard's playing at just an elite, elite level right now. It's a tough opponent for the Jazz tonight, but I'm hopeful that they'll get things figured out. Uh, the news coming out during our show earlier is that uh, we will see. Oh yeah, we didn't get to this yeah, yet, but Mike Conley re-enter the starting lineup according to reports tonight for the Utah Jazz. Yeah, and um, I I still believe he has struggled, but I still have to believe that if Mike Conley and I I go back to what you said a couple months ago when you said you're looking for an average Mike Conley and what you meant by that was you're not looking for just him to be an average player. You're looking for him to be average of what Mike Conley is. And if you can get, and which is good, which is a very good player. Yeah. And so I, I think that's still what I, I, I've taken that and I'm still looking for that out of him. doesn't need to be a, so, a star. Correct. Yeah. Needs to be a, just a solid Mike Conley and they will be really good if he hits that. Mm-hmm. He hasn't yet. <laughs> which that yeah. is fair to say he has not done that and he has struggled frankly and uh, we'll see what he can do but I think inserting him into the it's that, kind of the same with Joe Ingles is like oh he plays better with better players yeah that's not a shocker most guys most do. guys do yeah and uh I think Mike maybe when he's around the starting lineup hopefully he gets into his stride tonight yeah and it it will be interesting to see how he kind of gels with this starting unit once again now as he comes yeah. back in uh, it makes the Jazz a smaller backcourt, that's for sure, because him and Donovan Mitchell, they're not the biggest guards in the in- entire world. Nope. But conversely, Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum aren't the biggest guard line in the world right. either. So that should even itself out. I agree with you. He he deserves to be in the starting lineup. You don't have a $30 million guy coming off the bench uh, nope. if, unless he's coming back from injury like right. he was. So it's an opportunity tonight to see what this new-look uh, lineup is. The nice part is Royce O'Neal, He's the he, the guy who who will be taking the bench spot that going out of that starting lineup. He's the type of guy who is fine contributing wherever he's at. Yes. So that's the positive news with regards to that. I feel like the Jazz working Mike Conley with the starting lineup. You're right. It should yield better results for what Mike Conley should be able to do. And yep. I and the hope is that he gets back to playing at the quote unquote average Mike Conley level at some point. I think the biggest thing about Mike Conley that the Jazz brought him here for is come playoff time, this guy has played a lot of games in the playoff. The moment is not going to be too big for him. And another part of this is, too, I know the Jazz um, – oh, I totally agree yeah. with you on that, by the way. But another thing to do with the Jazz is they do mix a lot of their starting lineup with their bench. They do. A lot – probably they, more they than a lot of them. They stagger it, yeah. But I will say that him off the bench – it kind of didn't really work with his game because Jordan Clarkson is just told to, hey, you're off the bench, go make this work. You're the microwave. And go, yeah. you know, drive to the basket. And Clarkson is so good in that role, off the bench, scoring a lot of points. Obviously, you saw it against the Denver game, Correct. Uh, against Denver, but um, I think that he's done that really well. I think putting Royce O'Neal with Jordan Clarkson is going to pay dividends, I think, for that second unit. I like the idea of those two really running things with the second unit. 
Hopefully Tony Bradley's doing better and he can come back. But I, I like the idea because Royce doesn't shoot a lot, yeah. but he does a lot of the other things that make a team successful. Mm-hmm. And I think him with Clarkson has a lot of potential, kind of if they're running that the secondary minutes yeah. on the court. And then Conley getting back into that starting lineup, trying to figure out how to you know, kind of make it work with this team. Well, I love David Locke's assessment of what Royce O'Neal is for the Utah Jazz. Hey, we need this. Oh, Royce just did it. Yeah, yeah. He, he's talked about this multiple times. Yeah. Like the Royce is the guy that just does the things you need to do to be a successful basketball team. I think that'll fit with both the staggered lineups with how the starters kind of filter in and out of the lineup with the Utah Jazz. But also, if you go with a legit second unit, he's the type of guy that holds that unit together because he, when he does shoot it, he shoots it at a high clip. He... He's very smart about when he does take his shots, but you're right. He's not going to get in that second unit and be like, hey, Clarkson, step aside. Right. I'm taking those shots. Yeah. He understands that Jordan Clarkson's job is to be the offensive threat for mm-hmm. that unit, and he will defer to him, but he will make up a lot of different things on that second unit that I think is going to be valuable for the Utah Jazz. Yeah, I, I think this will be a great uh, matchup tonight. you got a lot of, you know uh, – it's kind of similar in a lot of ways. You've yeah. got the guard lines, and it's going to be Donovan and Mike versus CJ and Damian. Uh, then, you, of course, you've got Rudy Gobert and Hassan Whiteside. Mm-hmm. Whiteside has not necessarily fared well against Gobert throughout his career. Correct. But they're, sem- they're sort of similar players in a way. I would take Gobert, obviously, 10 times out of 10 mm-hmm. any t- if I had that choice. But, um, you know, shot blocking bigs. Whiteside had a fabulous game last night. There's he no did. denying it. 30 points. He had that mm-hmm. fader down the stretch that you would not expect out of him. The baseline jumper over the top of Kyle Kuzma that really put the Lakers away. And uh, so it should be fun. Hopefully, you know, Gobert gets up for matchups like this because Whiteside has talked a little trash about Gobert in the past. And <laughs> yes. Gobert doesn't forget anything you've ever <laughs> said to him. And so he gets up for these games. And that's what I love about Rudy is he finds motivation in every game and he goes out there and tends to dominate. Yeah, And he did that. He had a great game against Jokic the other night, but Jokic just had a better game. And so um, that's the fascinating thing about the bigs in the NBA is you see so many different styles <laughs> yeah, as they do. play each other, mm-hmm. and uh, this will be a great one tonight, I think, between I think, those two. I think there's one X factor in this game for me, and that's the play of Joe Ingles and uh, Boyan Bogdanovich. Yeah. I think their ability to take advantage of the weakness on the wings from the Blazers could be a big key to a win tonight. We'll see what happens. And Joe's been struggling a little bit he lately. Ha- he so. has, and, but – I think this is the type of matchup in terms of just the overall guys defending those two. Yeah. It should be an opportunity for both those guys to feast a little the, bit. The great thing about this Jazz team, Jake, is we talk about all this. We get through all of these conversations and yeah. games, and we don't ever seemingly get to Boyan. No. <laughs> he's the quietest who, like 25 who, who, He's just a guy who will put in six threes for you every single night. You don't even – like, he's so good. I I've been so impressed with him this season, yeah. and just you, it took us this long to even get to him. Yeah. And I don't, I don't bring that up to say he's like forgettable no. and secondary. He's not, but he doesn't really. He kind of is on his own island of uh-huh. dominance right now. Yeah. That you talk about the matchups of guards and blah 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 and centers, and then all of a sudden there's Boyan out there who can give you thirty. Yeah, you look down at the score sheet midway through like a third quarter, and he's got like twenty six points, and you're right. like. Where did those come from? But yeah. they were key baskets if yeah. you really look back on it. It's, yeah. it's cool. He's fabulous. I love watching Boyan play. Uh, he's been, by my money, such a positive. Uh, you can't, like, I'm not alone in this, yeah. but he's been so fun to watch. Brought so much more than I thought he would. I thought he was great. Did not expect kind of this out of him. So yeah. should be a fun one tonight. Yeah. I've got a story that we need to get to, Adrian, about okay. BYU and very quick engagements. We'll get to it on the other side. All right, we'll wrap the show with that story out of Jake. Uh, we'll get to that next here on the Zone Sports Network. 
Let's go live. We talk jazz, utes, cougars, and Aggies, even on the weekend. The weekend. You're locked on to the Saturday show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back here on the Saturday show, wrapping things up uh, here on the Zone Sports Network. And uh, we'll make way for uh, the rest of the afternoon, and then we'll be back for Jazz Basketball. Jake, Mm -hmm. you had a story that was so quintessentially BYU, you could not hold it in any longer. Oh, it is. So this comes from uh, Winter 2020 BYU Magazine. It's a magazine that kind of highlights what's going on in the university. It comes, I think, quarterly, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Hank R. Smith tweeted out, he's a professor down there at BYU, and the title of it is From Crush to Crushed in Hours. Okay, BYU has a reputation for students that get married very quickly. I, 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 can't, I will not be able to do this. Oh, this is going to be great. Listen, okay. Because frankly, like when I, I was married once and I felt like I got married way too young and I was like old enough then, you know. <laughs> well, get ready. This okay. is great. So this comes from Bruce A. Colton. He graduated from BYU apparently in 2009 from Garland, Texas. And here we go. Quote, as a freshman living in Heritage Halls in 2003, I became friends with another freshman we'll call Rachel, who, according to her best friend, had a big crush on me. Mm. One Friday morning, Rachel called to ask me out on a date that evening. I could hear the excitement in her voice, and I said yes. Okay. Around 4 p.m. that same day, Rachel called again. She said that in six hours since she had asked me out, she had driven to her nearby hometown for lunch, and when an old childhood friend surprised her by proposing, she had accepted. But, this continues, she still invited me to her apartment for dinner and movie, but now as a part of her, quote, engagement party, unquote. That was the weirdest first date I have ever been on. Oh, my goodness. Six hours. Holy smokes. So childhood, you know, childhood crush stops by and says, will you marry me? And you say yes, apparently, after asking a guy out on a date six hours earlier. Or even... And the problem, too, is childhood crush doesn't seem like they have been, like, dating before. No. Yeah, or even in contact. Yeah, right. Honestly, in contact. (laughs) He, like, found out they were at the same place, and he's like, you know what? I've loved you from the second we met. Will you marry me? (laughs) Exactly. Oh, my goodness. I just... Okay. I legitimately have a one of my best friends from high school, Adrian, got engaged in three weeks. He's been happily married for well over a decade at this point, and nothing but the best for him. But I thought that was way too soon. But this story, oh my god, takes the cake. It's wild. That it is, is a wild story. So apparently, so, so 10 a.m. Apparently, according to this timeline, she'd asked this guy out on a date, and by 4 p.m. she had called back and said, "You know what? I just got engaged. I'm getting married. You can still come <laughs> over though and have dinner and a movie. We're just gonna have, call it an engagement." I party. hope for his self-respect. He didn't go. He didn't go. Yeah, that'd be no, no. And that's the thing. He can't so, go. Yeah, you can't go. Whoever you are, Bruce A. Colton. I'm, I hope you did not show up to that, quote, engagement party. Watch this, uh, some editorial in a year that'll be like, update, I went to the engagement party <laughs> and got engaged myself. Oh my my childhood crush was there. It was fate. It's, like, I, it's, it's, it's like these New Yorker articles that are yeah. like, mm-hmm. I let my wife's, like, best... I let my wife's like lover build a shed yeah. in my backyard. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. It, so that story right there, I just screamed everything BYU. Yes, it did. All right, that's going to do it for the show today. Uh, that's a good story, Jake. Yeah. 
Too Look, hey, if you fall in love in six seconds, you know that's all for you. Childhood friend shows up and asks you to marry him. Yeah. You know, just say yes. You know what? Who am I to judge? Who am I? Yeah. I am no one. All right. Uh, we're going to wrap that up. Big thanks to Eric. Uh, and for Jay Catch, I am Adrian Leiser. We'll see you next Saturday here on the Zone Sports Network on the Saturday Show.